This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Hey guys, Jeremy here with Simple Life. How are you doing? I hope you are doing well. Uh, I didn't get a podcast up last week, and that's just because things have been so busy lately. Uh, we'll get into a little bit of that, the busyness of the season. Ah, another round of the the lockdown or pandemics. I'm not sure. Obviously, depending on where you live, uh, you're probably being treated differently with this whole COVID stuff. It's really weird. And, you know, the thing that kind of frustrates me the most is that there's certain things about it that just don't make sense. Now, generally, I've tried to avoid talking about the pandemic, and, and this isn't going to get political. Uh, but, you know, there's a certain side that that I see all the time. People talk about, wear your mask, put your mask on. And, you know, I always kind of think that I'd like to make the best decisions and think for myself. And I think generally there's two camps on this thing. I, I and, and this is a very broad blanket statement. And also this podcast isn't going to be entirely about the pandemic. I just I just want to get this off my chest a little bit. Uh, if you disagree completely, I encourage you just to man up and listen. And, uh, you know, that, that's the biggest problem we have in this day and age right now is that complete and utter intolerance. If somebody says something you don't like, boom, cancel them. Done. They're gone. So the two camps that I generally see is is one being that this is a deadly virus and it's going to wipe out the planet if we're not careful. Uh, the second camp, and again, broadly speaking, is that, you know what, this is a virus, but it's not as dangerous or as deadly as we're being led to believe. Now, I personally find myself in the second camp. Uh, yes, I, I do believe in COVID-19, but I don't think it's quite as, as terrifying as, as they want us to believe. And when you land on the side of the camp that I am, uh, very easily you're just kind of labeled as a conspiracy <laughs> conspiracy theorist. And it, it's fine. I mean, whatever. If, if that helps people feel better of, about that. Um, you know, personally, I believe in Australia. Uh, I do not believe the world is flat. And I also don't believe that birds are actual uh, robots spying on us, as many conspiracy theorists would believe. But I also don't think that everything's lining up. I don't. There's so many inconsistencies and discrepancies that it makes me wonder, what what's going on? And I don't know, right? I've got maybe some possibilities, but ultimately I don't know. But the further we're going through with this, the more it's kind of making sense. When this whole thing started out, I did a post on Instagram, and generally I've got a very clean mouth. I like to have wholesome content. Uh, but I did a story in which I dropped the F-bomb. And uh, I actually screenshotted it, so I'd, you know, have that for record. And I essentially just said, you know, F you to every world government with this COVID cover-up. And that's pretty strong, right? I mean, <laughs> I lost a whole boatload of followers. And actually, since that post, my growth on Instagram has been completely stagnant, like 0%, which is fine. <laughs> I mean, I certainly don't do this stuff for a big, massive following, but... um Recently, uh, Justin Trudeau announced, uh, th that's our prime minister, a little boy wonder of this country. I call him Justine Trudy because I, I don't, he doesn't act like a man. But anyways, what he had announced was that this coronavirus was a great opportunity for the Great Reset. And that doesn't sit well with me. I really don't know that anybody wants a reset. We just want to get back to how it was. Now, I'm not, a, I'm not a fool, and I don't think we will ever get back to how it was. I think those days are long gone. Justine goes on to talk about uh, the 2030 agenda. And if you look at that and aren't terrified, then I, you, I don't know. I mean, the Great Reset and meeting the 2030 agenda. What the 2030 agenda is, it's a group of UN countries that want to eliminate poverty uh, via very different, various different tactics. Uh, some of them, they want to eliminate uh, the possibility of private land ownership. So you can't, as a private person, own land. 
if you look into the details of the 2030 agenda, it's terrifying. And um, it's also certainly kind of vague for specific reasons. You know, if you are, if you study history, the things that are going on right now will scare you. The saying is that, you know, you need to learn history or be doomed to repeat it. And I'm afraid that we're going to start repeating some pretty terrible parts of history. You know, in Nazi France, the the Jews were worried about being arrested. And all the French people said, no, 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 no. We're a modern country. That doesn't happen here. That can't happen here. And we all know what happened there. And then, you know, it starts out with little things like mandatory curfews or mandatory masks. I know they seem small. I know they seem trivial. But when you look on a very simple level, it's kind of terrifying. You know, the thing that bothers me the most about all of this ever since the the pandemic started is that these were just top-down orders. The government and governments around the world are just telling people what they have to do, what they can and cannot do. And I stood back and I looked around and nobody was saying, wait a minute, this isn't how government works. You consult with us and we'll let you know how we, the people, are going to deal with this. That never happened at all. It's, uh, it's unsettling. And most people are like, no, no, it's, this is good. Just let's let the government tell us what to do. Hey, new research shows if you jump off a cliff, it will prevent the spread of COVID-19. <laughs> You'd be surprised how many people will be like, okay, let's take one for the team. And I know that's going a little bit extreme and maybe a little bit harsh, but the sentiment is there. People don't want to think for themselves. People want to be told what to do. I find it so funny when people say, oh, I can't wait for 2020 to be over. (laughs) I'm pretty sure 2021 isn't going to be any better because you've set a precedent in 2020. You've allowed the government to take control. Another fact, this isn't a, this isn't a, a conspiracy thing. This is a fact. Um, also a thing that kind of has me concerned and kind of also makes me see, ah, I see what's going on here. I don't like what's going on. I'm terrified of what's going on, but I think I have a better sense of it. Recently is, oh, when was it? Maybe a month or so ago. The Canadian government used the Canadian military to plant propaganda in, I forget where it was, a small town in Eastern, I'll try and find the article and link it up. And this was leaked documents and the government actually addressed it publicly. So this is all factual. Uh, Basically, they hacked into some news reporting thing and some schools and said that there's a pack of wolves on the loose. They're at large and it's dangerous to be outside. They actually literally just did this. And they observed how effective that was at controlling the people and making them stay in their homes. We later find out that the government, the Canadian government, has set up a team, and it's part of the Canadian military. And this team, is uh, its purpose is to use propaganda and manipulation tactics to observe their effectiveness on controlling the population's behavior. Now, when questioned about this, the Canadian government said, yes, we've assembled this team, but we would never use it. (laughs) Okay, this is factual, folks. This has actually happened. The Canadian government has a group, part of the Canadian military, that is designed to test propaganda and its effectiveness. That's terrifying. And then you learn about that, and then shortly after, we find out that Justin Trudeau says this is an opportunity for the Great Reset. I don't know. I wish I had very clear answers, and I wish I had clear action to take. But I think, first of all, if people would just think for themselves for one moment, just a moment in time, say, wait a minute, I'm an intelligent person. Does this actually make sense? Does everything line up? I wish people would do that. I so wish they would do that. And then I wish they would encourage other people to think for themselves. I think we would be much safer as a society if we realized that we, the people of any country, are the ones in charge. And our government should be providing services to us based on what we as a people 
feel our needs are. You know, it's funny, in, in Canada, we've got these payments called CERB. And so basically, if you're unemployed, and, and it's such a, all of these problems are such complicated problems, right? They're not quick brush strokes. Yes, do this. No, don't do that. There's so many different nuances, and it's, it's complicated. But they got the CERB. And so if you're not working, you, uh, you can get money. And a lot of people are like, oh, this is awesome. This is great. You know, the government's going to pay for this so that we don't have to pay for it. But people seem to forget the fact that there's not a government that produces income. (laughs) Not one. The government doesn't make a red cent. It's all paid for by by the people. And people are like, oh, no, don't worry. We're we're not going to have to pay for this from the government. (laughs) Okay. I guess guess you really don't understand how governments work. Anyways... um, for, for, for what we just went through, what we just discussed, it's not here to terrify you. Um, but I just hope, I hope you'll think about things a little bit. Um, ultimately, whatever does happen, we are all stuck in it. And I always think it's kind of like a fire insurance type tactic. Well, maybe this isn't something else. Maybe this is literally just what they're saying it is. I mean, I have a hard time believing that because when you look at the numbers, they're constantly being updated and you look at the CDC. I mean, in the summertime, the CDC said that this can no longer be called a pandemic. It doesn't have the requirements to call it a pandemic. But the media never stopped. The government never stopped. Justin Trudeau kept calling it a pandemic. You look at the actual numbers and the fact of the matter is this isn't that deadly. And that's just a fact. Uh, The flu... Last year's flu season was more deadly than coronavirus has been thus far. And it always started with a little flatten the curve. You know, two weeks to flatten the curve. Well, two weeks turned into mandatory masks, and now we're back into curfews, lockdowns. And I think the thing that probably frustrates me the most about this is that I haven't seen good leadership anywhere. You know, the fact that they, in Alberta... They shut down, like, dance schools where kids go to dance. My, my daughter no longer dances, but she did. But the bars are still open. That doesn't make any sense to me. You know, all these mom-and-pop shops, little retail stores have to close, but Walmart's still open. It's just very, very weird. It feels like there has to be some type of an agenda. Or if not, nobody is thinking about the little guy. It's it's strange. You know, in Alberta, they they published this article, The Most Dangerous Places for COVID-19. Number seven on the list was swimming pools, which makes sense. That seems like a good place to get all kinds. I mean, you go swimming, you get a cold. That's kind of how it is, right? I mean, it's, it's people swimming in bodily fluids. But the 10th most dangerous, the most more dangerous than a pool is a church. That's what they said because of the singing. And I get that. I get that whole thing with a mask and preventing the moist air from leaving your mouth. You know, Justine says, don't speak moistly. But I can't think that a swimming pool would actually be safer than a church for catching a disease like COVID-19. And I can't help but think that if you're going to shut down dance dance classes for young people you should probably shut down the bars too that's the part about it that frustrates me and there's a certain sense where i think if the people are vocal and stand up for what they think and believe and i'm not talking on social media i mean that stuff's heavily censored i've had a bunch of my posts removed uh, by instagram and facebook uh funny because my friends will put something up uh, this was back when I was checking Facebook. They'd put something up on Facebook, and I would copy and paste it to my Instagram and Facebook. And it was nine seconds, boom, it was deleted. And I think it's because I had a certain following that me sharing that could get to more people and thus be more dangerous, whereas you know my friends have like 100 friends, all like-minded. Interesting how I was censored and they're not. Even on their Instagram, they'll post one thing and nothing happens. If I post it, it gets taken down. It's really weird, kind of disturbing but I think uh, other than places like that, if we say, listen, and and I want to be careful too, 
you know what, I do believe that we need to be responsible with this, uh, this virus. As in any virus, you know, when we go into cold and flu season, we need to be mindful of other folks. Uh, it's funny because Alberta said this year there's not going to be a cold and flu season. <laughs> They're not measuring the cold and flu season this year. It's just coronavirus season. It's just weird. It's all these little tiny, you know, little tiny discrepancies that don't add up that make me say, what is happening? Or is it just a fact that, like, literally this is a virus and we've all freaked out and there's nobody half intelligent in the world anymore? That could be a possibility, too. I certainly think there's better ways we could be handling this, but we have been lied to, and, and that's a fact. Uh, so many people will say, yeah, I know, but it still is really bad. And it's kind of like, I don't know, I guess it's one of those things I always think, you know, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on, no, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. You know, I don't want to be shamed. I don't want to keep being lied to and just keep eating all these lies. COVID-19 is the most popular flavor of (laughs) Kool-Aid. Anyways, that has been 16 very controversial minutes. And um, I don't bring these up uh, by any stretch to, you know, I I don't get people upset. I don't want to get people mad. But I just want people to say, hey, wait a minute. Let's stop and think for just one second. That's what I encourage you to do. Just think about it. And you don't have to change your mind. But just think for yourself. I think the world would be an incredible place, uh, much less scary. And I think there'd be a lot more wisdom in everything if people would think for themselves. Anyways, we're going to put that to bed now. If there's anybody left, congratulations. I applaud you for sticking through this. I I appreciate you letting me just kind of share some thoughts. (sighs) Lately, we're going to get back into the old... uh, the uh, real meat and potatoes, the reason you came here to this podcast. So right now is busy, busy, busy season. I've talked about it before, uh, you know, the Christmas time with my wife's Etsy and then knife stuff. It's it's an absolute gong show. Uh, I haven't been able to make a lot of YouTube content lately, and that will be the case until Christmas time, just because, you know, typically I'll get up at around either 4.45 or 5.45, depending on how I'm feeling the night before. I take a couple hours to myself. I like to watch YouTube, exercise, you know, have some lattes with my wife. And then usually I'm at work in the garage about 8 o'clock in the morning, between 8 and 8.30. And then lately it's been working till 7, between 7 and 9 at night. Uh, obviously stopping for lunch and then a supper break, but it has been 12 to 14 hours every day. Uh, even Saturday, I was actually really excited this Saturday, and my wife and I decided, you know what, we're only working till 5 o'clock this evening, and I was stoked. I ended up working till like 5.45 just because I had a list of things I wanted done, got that done, and then Sundays we take off. I'm not one of these guys that can work, so I'd, I'm, I'm sure I could, but I really do believe you need to give your body a break. And so Sundays, no matter what, we don't work. I'm not working Sundays. And uh, I relish, I love Sundays, you know, you just get up big, big breakfast, usually just lounge around for several hours, read, uh, play my guitar, kind of goof around, watch YouTube. And then we have a Fospa, which is like a traditional German, um, usually it's like crackers and um, uh, we call each device or um, shoot, what's that stuff? Farmer's sausage, cheese, um, pickles, uh, you know, and it's kind of like just a light, well, Fospa is what we call it. We usually do that in the evenings and then watch our movie. And it's amazing how one day can get you so recharged. It, it's so refreshing. I absolutely love Sundays. And then on Monday morning when I go into my garage, I actually really get excited about it. You know, lately, and I'm not sure why, but I've been, it's been a, a strong sense. You know how you kind of go through phases in life? Uh, you know, you, you have like, a, you know, there's dark times where everything kind of seems bad and then there's, other times, right now, I'm in this phase of like gratefulness and gratitude. <laughs> I, I don't know what it is. Uh, every day, I, I go to my garage and I'm like, oh man, I like this place. I like my tools. I walk by my lathe and I can smell the, you know, the old steel and oil smell. I'm like, oh man, I like this thing. I'm so lucky I've got this lathe. I, 
give it a little pat. I like you, Lathe. I don't know. I, I'm feeling so... If you say blessed, it sounds kind of... Eh. I'm feeling very fortunate and I'm enjoying every day when I go into my garage. I'm like, you know what? I've got something to do today. I can make money. I can use my hands, my skills, and I can do something of value. I bring value to customers and I bring value to my family. And that's an incredible feeling. You know, especially maybe it's, you know, uh, certain people can't work right now. They, they don't have that chance and, and they're relying on government help and assistance, which I, I think is good. We do need to have a way to look after each other. I think that falls more on the responsibility of the community. But either way, I feel very grateful to be working and grateful that I can make and fix things. You know, uh, recently there's there's been, um, listening to Brian House's podcast talking about his favorite tools. And he put a post on Instagram. Uh, what are your three favorite tools? And I, I wanted to chime in on that, but I could not figure out. Maybe 10 would be a little bit more realistic. Uh, but at first I'm kind of like, okay, well, my lathe, my welder, and my belt grinder. But then I can't measure anything, right? And I, I kind of got thinking about it. And, you know, there's a certain sense where you need a lot of tools to do certain things. Uh, you got your measuring side of things, your precise layout side of things, your way that you can check things. And then you've got the actual tools that actually do, you know, material manipulation, whether that be additive, as as Jeff Fader talks about, you're adding when you're welding or subtractive, you're grinding things away, you know, and you've got the metal side and, and the wood side. I've I've lately just been realizing that, my goodness, I like all these tools. I've got so many tools and the more tools you have, the more things you can do. And then there's a certain sense of great pride and satisfaction in actually being a quote-unquote maker. Uh, I'm slowly coming more to terms with that term. Um, I actually think it's a, a pretty good term, and it kind of fits fairly well with, uh, you know, with what this whole thing is. It's a good way to put a label on something. And you know, being someone that can build things, can weld things... You get, I get so much satisfaction from that. And I always, always think, man, I'm glad I found this. I'm glad that the, the path that life took me down put me here. I've had office jobs. I was an office worker for, I don't know, seven or eight years. I was a senior project manager was my title. And I really did not enjoy that. It was a very, very frustrating job. Uh, working with a lot of governments, <laughs> which is frustrating. Uh, every single time you went to a meeting, you know, there's always about 90% too many people. I always I always told people with the white-collar world, uh, this is based on my experience in the field that I was working in, uh, you could fire 90% of the people in the entire industry. And as long as you kept the proper 10%, the exact same amount of work would get done. <laughs> and that's that's what I generally found to be the case. But I didn't find any satisfaction in that. And I like to build things with my hands. And so I kind of got thinking about what are my tools that I really feel like I couldn't live without. Uh, one of those tools for me is a lathe, my metal lathe. Um, I haven't done a lot of YouTube videos on it. I need to kind of share a little bit about that. But uh, I mentioned it here on the podcast. I think this lathe that I have is from the 60s. Uh, it's an Ensign, which is uh, it's the Canadian branded of a Wilson and it's a slant bed metal lathe. Uh, made in England, so it's a good quality tool. It's heavy. I mean, my dad and I had to bring it in with a bobcat, and then when I kind of shimmied it right up to the place where I wanted it, I used really long crowbars, and man, that sucker's got some girth to it. I think that's one of the biggest problems with the modern lathes is that they're just not heavy enough. You know, I had a lathe, and I actually sold it. Uh, the reason was because... It wasn't as useful to me as it should have been. I could do anything in aluminum and like brass or something like that that was soft. Uh, but if I wanted to turn down like a steel shafting, even like like decent quality hard steel shafting, uh, just the vibrations would be atrocious and you couldn't get a surface finish that was even close to acceptable. And that just has to do with the fact that it wasn't heavy. You know, there wasn't a lot of mass holding it down. It's the same thing with an anvil. You know, a lot of people that are into blacksmithing might not know machining, but those concepts are the same. If you've got a big, heavy anvil on a heavy base, it's going to be easier to work with, 
right? It's not going to move around and bounce around. Uh, the same exact same thing when you're doing any machining operations. Heavy lathes, heavy mill machines, you'll get a better cut. You can take deeper cuts. You can work with harder material. And so I sold my little lathe because I didn't use it enough because I was limited to the materials that I could actually turn on it. Now this one, uh, like I said, it's very heavy. It's I don't know, lathes are sized in two dimensions. So they've got the the maximum diameter that you could turn and then the maximum length that you could turn. And so I would say that the lathe I have now is probably like a 9 or 10 inch diameter I can turn. And then it's about 3, I think it's like 34 inches long. So decent stuff. Like definitely bigger than probably anything I'll ever need to make. And... Um, you know, they say that the lathe is the only machine that can reproduce itself uh, in theory, theoretically. I think realistically you couldn't just because of the size of certain things. Uh, there's an argument some people make that a milling machine could reproduce itself as well. But there is one area where that falls apart. And I'm going to leave it out there for you guys to guess. Uh, I do not believe that you could actually completely reproduce every part on a milling machine with a milling machine. And this is obviously not the motor. Take the motor away. Just the actual parts that are machined. And I'm going to leave that out there for you guys to try and guess what it is. But the lathe, I think it goes without question that people always say and agree that theoretically the lathe could reproduce itself. So I've got my lathe and I love that thing and I use that thing all the time whether I'm doing little tiny parts for my bicycles. Um, sometimes I'll make like little adapters for microphones for my camera gear, you know, little tripod adapters. It, it's amazing the world that opens up when you've got yourself a lathe. I would honestly say, you know, uh, and, uh, again, kind of bringing Brian House into this, you know, his goal with the belt grinder and I fully agree with it, Not maybe not his goal, but what he thinks is that every shop needs a 2x72 grinder and I'm 100% down with that. That is a valuable tool whether you make knives or not. Um, you know, doing my wife's Etsy stuff, I use my 2x72 grinder all the time. I use it for woodworking all the time and it's just a tool that once you have it, it's like, wow, I will always find uses for this and this will always be, you know, several times a day you're turning it on to do something. The same thing I'm finding with my little lathe. And again, this probably depends on, on the person. Some, You know, if you don't like to do your own repairs and kind of make your own stuff, you, you don't need a lathe. <laughs> you don't need a grinder then either. Uh, but if you're the kind of guy that's like, oh, yeah, I want to I wanna be able to do my own things. You know, the guy that I bought my original lathe off of and my milling machine, he actually made his own hinges on the lathe for like any tool cabinet that he was making. He turned his own hinges. And, and that's the kind of thing It's like, that opens up a lot of opportunity. I mean, I know now we can just kind of go to like a farm supply store and they've got those metal weldable hinges. Um, but you can also just make them. They're very easy. Uh, I make these shims uh, for bicycle handlebars. You know, depending on the age, the style of the handlebar, it might not match the clamp in your stem. And so I can just make these little spacers and make little adapters. Uh, I'm not limited. I can put this handlebar on this stem and it's all up to me. And it's just amazing the options that are opened when you've got a way uh, to turn metal. I absolutely love it. So I would say that, you know, for tools, my, my main, my big tools would be like the lathe, a 2x72 grinder, and my TIG welder. Now, thinking about that, I'm like, ah, what about a drill press? What about a drill press? Well, you can drill by hand, but at the same time, you know, if it's only three, and I don't know why, I think that's a terrible thing to limit yourself to three. Uh, definitely a drill press is a handy tool. Uh, if you do a lot of drilling, you're going to want a drill press. Um, and I don't know why I'm actually heading down this road of talking about all these tools, but just kind of thinking about, you know, what I've been doing in, in my shop lately, what I've been working on. And uh, especially with the lathe and the TIG welder, those are two fairly recently, uh, recent tools to me. They're kind of on the newer side of things. Man, am I liking those. Those tools are like, man, it would have been really handy if I'd had this right from the get-go. You know, if I could have, uh, I could have had these when I'm, whatever jigs I'm building, whatever parts I'm building, you know, tooling for my grinder, uh, tools for making knives, all kinds of things. When you've got some of these tools... It's unbelievable. It's funny because, you know, sometimes you think about spending money, right? Like, okay, and not like you're always spending money, but 
you know, you got some money and it's like, okay, there's two ways that you can kind of look at it. It's like you can wait until the need arises. You're like, oh, you know what? I really need this. Like that's something like a dust collector. You know, I realize it's really dusty in here. I need to go buy a dust collector. But then sometimes if I haven't spent money for several <laughs> for several months, I'm kind of like, hmm, maybe I should buy something. What, what do I want to get? And I always think about tools first. I'm like, ah, let's go to the tools. What tools do I need? Um, I don't know. It's probably not the healthiest way to look at, at money. It's probably better to be like, you know what? I have a need for this. Uh, I've got the funds. I'm going to go ahead and buy it because it's going to make my job more efficient. There's tons of tools that are like that for me. Uh, in particular with the stuff that I do for my wife's Etsy, uh, some of the tools that I've invested in, the tools that I would never, ever buy, but I realize that, you know what, this is going to make my job so much easier, so much faster. Uh, from the time that we started, and this is just kind of uh, a note to the the value of tools, uh, the first Christmas rush that we had with my wife's Etsy, I think... You know, if we got 20 to 25 orders out in a day, that was impressive. That was like, wow. And now we're at the point where with less effort, less hours, we can easily get out about 100 orders. And that's probably attributed like entirely to the tools that, that we've purchased and the equipment, right? You know, even when we first started doing this, we would lay all these signs out on the floor in the basement. And I remember I came downstairs once. And I said, honey, why aren't, why don't we buy some cheap folding tables? You know, and so that's a purchase where it's, um, there's a need. I can say, okay, this would actually make it better. So I went, I went to local Canadian Tire and I just bought every folding table they had. I think I bought like five or six of them. And now all of a sudden, boom, we can walk around. The signs are at waist level on these folding tables and it were that much more efficient. You know, I'm always looking uh, for tools that can do that. You know, what's the next thing? Then there's also the kind of tools or once you've got systems in place and it's dialed in, I kind of look at things like what would be nice to have? Uh, right now, I'm scoping out a better dust collecting system. Uh, the one that I bought was very, it was the cheapest one. I wanted to test it out and see how well they work. And and they they are nice, but the one that I have, if I'm doing a lot of heavy, heavy machining of wood with a planer or something like that, or on my table saw or, you know, my chop saw, uh, it has, there's real fine, fine dust, uh, kind of sneaks out, uh, especially when I'm, I'm doing sanding operations. You know, when I'm at my belt grinder and I'm shaping knife handles, it's not that bad because there's not that much dust, right? But if you're, you know, doing some of these heavier machining operations, it creates a lot more dust. And, you know, I am always, if, if I run my dust collector and I'm, I'm doing some wood processing that's not knife related, I have to wipe down my entire garage afterwards. You know, my printer will be a layer of dust. My computer will have a layer of dust. Uh, the wood dust just goes everywhere. You know, I, I find the metal dust doesn't float as far. It just kind of falls closer to wherever it's being created. But the wood dust, my goodness, it gets everywhere. Uh, so that's one thing I'm looking at, at getting is a high-quality uh, uh, dust collection system. But what an incredible... Um, increase in price you know uh, the one that i got it's a little i think it's a one horsepower 110 volt single canister it's got like the cloth filter on the top and it just puts it into bags i think i paid like it was less than 300 bucks brand new it was like a 250 so really on the cheap cheap side of dust collection and i think that's why i'm getting this performance like there's a lot of dust that comes out of that dust collector but you know, when you want to jump up to something that's actually good quality, like I'm looking at something from Oneida, uh, they make the dust deputy or something like that. Um, you know, that you're talking about like a couple thousand dollars. So I'm doing some research right now. I'm trying to find what I really want to get. And then I have a plan in the spring or like after Christmas, I'd like to put a mezzanine in my garage. And then the ultimate goal is to have this super uh, effective dust collector up there and then just run plumbing run piping down to uh, the different places I need it in the shop and then obviously putting that on the remote trigger switch or something like that um, but yeah one thing on the, those lines uh, one video I did for uh, it's a sponsored video I'll let you guys know now the sponsor of my channel uh, for the next little while is actually Princess Auto which I'm really excited about uh, if you don't know what Princess Auto is it's it's kind of like the oh shoot what's that store called it just was in my mind. 
Harbor Freight. It's kind of like the Harbor Freight, but also I'd say kind of a little different. And it's funny because, you know, a lot of people might knock Princess Auto because they do have a lot of a lot of poor Chinese, you know, poor quality Chinese stuff. But they're also getting a lot of good stuff. You know, they've developed their higher end line called ProPoint. You know, actually comes with decent warranties on different things like plasma cutters, welders. Uh, that's one tool I'm, I'm kind of eyeing up to. Maybe I might get a plasma cutter. I don't really need one. <laughs> I just want one. I remember my dad bought a plasma cutter kind of like right when they came out. I don't know, 25, 30, I don't know how long ago it was, but I'd never seen one of these. I've never heard of one of these things, and I got to play with it when I was like a teenager, and I thought, this is the coolest thing ever. Uh, for certain projects around the house, I think it might be kind of handy to have one. So that's something I'm looking at. I'm not entirely sure, but anyways, Princess Auto. I mean, I've been shopping there since I was a kid, and uh, they started out as like an auto wrecker on Princess Street, and so that's why they're called Princess Auto. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited to be working with them. Uh, one thing that we did recently is that I've talked for a long time about putting airlines in my shop. And so they hooked me up with this really great kit. And it's uh, it's like one inch tubing. It's a, an aluminum PEX. It's, I think the, the product number on the, on the side of it says like PEX AL PEX. Uh, so it's PEX, but it has, instead of just plastic, it's actually got an aluminum core in between two layers of plastic, and that adds a lot of strength. I think this thing's rated up to 300 PSI, which is pretty impressive for a uh, three-quarter inch inside diameter pipe. And uh, the big thing, if you're doing a shop air system, you need to think about the diameter of the delivery pipe. Um the biggest reason I wanted to do this upgrade is that right well, until now I'd been using this reel and it works great, but it's a quarter inch inside diameter, a hundred feet long. And what happens if I'm using an air tool like an impact gun when I'm changing the wheels on my car or something like that, uh, it has enough air for one or two good hits. And there's like, the reason for that is that it just, it's too restrictive to, to push that much air through that length of thin tubing. You know, my air compressor can handle it. I've got like a big 60 gallon. I don't know what the CFM is, but I've got that great thing that can run, you know, one, it, pretty much any tool it can run it as long as it's just one at a time. But then I'm just like totally choking it down with this hose. So, you know, I lose the uh, the efficiency of having a big air compressor. So I ran this airline. It took me a day and it uh, worked just fantastic. Uh, kind of went up from the air compressor. I went up along where my conduit runs were. And the reason for that is that that way, you know, if I want to put shelves or posters or anything on the walls, I'm not, you know, I don't have this airline. I see some people that just run airlines right at like waist level or chest level. I, that doesn't make sense to me. I don't, I don't know. I like to get them up, get it really close to the ceiling because that's kind of wasted real estate. But I did that and then I have three drops right now. Uh, if you're familiar, uh, you know, listening to this, you might know what my garage is kind of laid out based on some videos I've put up. But by my window, I have a drop, which is also right by where my Fordham is, my bench vise, and my one of my main workbenches. So I've got air right there. And then I go over a little ways, and I drop air right in between my drill presses and my 2x72 grinders. And I actually have one of those air misters, and I've tried it a little bit. Uh, the one thing I find with those is kind of problematic is it, and maybe it's just the type of belts that I'm using, but I find, you know, with the 36 grit, and if I have the air mister going, I can really, like, I don't have to pull the blade away from the belt. It keeps it completely cool, but I find the belt loads up really bad. Like, it just gets loaded uh, with metal. And I, that does not happen when I'm when I'm just you know grinding and then dipping it. So I got to kind of do a workaround. Maybe there's some type of a, you know even like a cutting fluid additive that I could put in there that might kind of help that metal release. Uh, but just straight water, you know, pull the water out of my my bucket that I dip my knife into, hook the airline onto it, and that way you can open it up and it blows a real nice mist. Does a great job at keeping things cool, and uh, you know, being just a mist, it's not actually enough to actually like fling water everywhere. So it's not like like what I would consider really wet grinding. You can kind of just dial that mist in, so it's just barely noticeable, and it works really good. Except that I'm loading up my belt, so I need to kind of get a workaround for that. Uh, but that's one of the reasons why I wanted to drop a line right there. Also, it's nice just to keep a little blowgun there for when I'm drilling and stuff like that. You can just kind of you know blow chips out of the way, and then I come around over my first garage door, like the door that I could bring vehicles in if I didn't have that side of the garage set up. And I dropped down to my sandblast cabinet. 
And then I went and I did, uh, so I've got like a three quarter inch line, which is a really high flow. And then I went with a nice heavy half inch, just three foot that I can, you know, plumb into my uh, sandblast cabinet. And I've been using it for over a week now. And it is so nice having air just plumbed in where you want it. Like it's just a dream. Oh, I want to do some sandblasting. Before, what I would have to do is obviously go, you know, get the reel, run it out. Uh, if the van was parked on our other side of the garage there, I'd have to kind of be careful for that. I don't want to, like, drag it across the paint because there could be dirt in the hose. And it's just so nice. I can just turn the air compressor on. I can isolate each leg if I want to. And then just, boom, I've got power where I need air where I need it. And uh, I'm actually going to be adding a few more drops, I think. I think I want to add one at my lathe so that I could use this air mister thing for for different cutting operations. And then I might also add one uh, kind of by the man door so that, you know, if I've got a flat tire and need to fill it up or something like that, I can have uh, air right there. But I'm really excited about that and uh, really excited about some of the projects I have coming up. Uh, this next one, the, the video for December, um, I had a, a plan. I'm not going to say what it was, but it was going to be a very involved project. Uh, I'm going to have to save that one until the new year when I have a little bit more free time to dedicate towards videos and, uh, you know, once this Christmas rush is over. <sighs> Another thing that's kind of interesting, not necessarily maker related, but kind of sort of, um, the way that I try to keep myself organized is a technique they call bullet journaling. And uh, if you just go into YouTube and look up bullet journal, uh, you'll see some interesting videos. And it's a really kind of cool analog system uh, to kind of track your tasks, track your schedule. And uh, yeah, it's a really smart thing. I won't get too into depth with that. But lately, I mean, I like tech. Um, (laughs) I do like computers and technology. Mostly, though, from the standpoint of what I can do with them, right? Not just to have them, but, you know, if I'm editing videos, I want a computer that can handle it. And, you know, I I don't upgrade my computers that often. Um, But, like, last year, well, in February 2020, I I bought a new MacBook Pro. And what an incredible, you know, boost it's been. Like, just handles all that footage. Uh, Now I've started shooting some things in 4K. And it's just nice. You know, it's nice having the fastest thing when you've got work to do. Uh, recently my wife needed a new one. So we actually just bought her was it yesterday. We picked up a MacBook pro, the 13 inch with the new M one chip, uh, before she had a MacBook air and it, I don't know how old it was. It was like five or six years old and it was just kind of getting too slow. There's a point, you know, if you're waiting for a computer for any amount of time, you have to realize that when you're really busy, that's, that's hurting you, right? That's costing you, uh, time and, and your time is more valuable than anything. So we got this for her and it's working really good. And then I was looking at the new iPad Air. And I just kind of went down this rabbit hole uh, and looking at the different apps that people use, how they use it. And some of these iPads, like, they're pretty impressive. You know, uh, there's a lot of videos on YouTube about guys that have given up their computers completely just for iPads. I'm like, that's an interesting concept. And so. I was going to buy an iPad Air yesterday, and I thought, you know, what I don't want to do is buy this thing and then find out that I don't actually use it. So what I'm doing, and I actually just started this morning, uh, you know, we've got iPads in the house, but we just use them mostly for watching Netflix on, right, I'm on the or YouTube when I'm on the treadmill or something like that. Uh, but my son had, I think it was the first generation of iPad Pro that was like a 64 gig or something like that with the pencil. And I used it a little bit in the past, but I'm kind of what I've actually done. He, he hasn't used it for like a year now. He's got he's got a MacBook. Whoops, I just bumped my mic stand. Uh, he's got a MacBook Air and, and, you know, the school provides these for him. And so I've commandeered this iPad and I'm setting it up and I'm trying to basically run my entire life on this iPad. And the idea with that is that, you know, right now, probably one of my biggest frustrations or things within my workflow is, you know, when I'm doing a project, a knife, all the details of that project, where are they? You know, where are all the emails? What are the the, the specifications that the customer wants? And generally that happens, you know, over the course of several emails in a dialogue. And so I'm just trying a few different apps right now, but I'm like... You know, it's incredibly foolish of me to not spend some time and organize everything. You know, so there's certain apps like 
I know Evernote's a really, really popular one that I've used for a long time. I don't know if that's going to be what I settle with, but that's kind of what I'm starting with. And so I'm starting to take all all communications on a project, and you can just drag them and drop them into there so that now when I want to look at this person's knife, I can click, and I've got all the communications, but then I can also just make little notes, right? Like this one's going to be CPM 154. He wants Lime G10 scales. He wants stainless steel, you know, or he wants an acid stone wash finish. It's so nice if I can just make these quick little notes and then it it's going to organize me, right? Because right now I don't have any central notebook with um, the knife project specifically in it. And so it's going to be interesting. I'm, 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 I like kind of doing experiments. It's kind of fun trying new things. So right now my experiment is trying to run everything I do on an iPad. Um, I've even seen folks that that choose to use their iPads to edit videos <laughs> for YouTube. I can't see myself doing that. Um, but right now, like this new MacBook that I bought in February, that thing is dedicated to uh, video editing. Uh, basically, it just it's in my recording studio here. Uh, I do my podcasts on it, obviously, but I don't carry this one around the house. I don't move it around. I mean, I've got my older, smaller laptop, and if this whole iPad experiment goes well. Uh, then I might end up just kind of not using that. Um, you know, I, th- I think some of my kids might want another computer for something. I know my boys like to have a computer when they're doing research and building their airplanes and they're like looking up electronics specs and all this stuff. But uh, it'll be kind of interesting to see how this whole iPad experiment goes. And then if if this actually does work really well, uh, then I'm going to look at the difference in the performance and the specs of actually maybe getting a new iPad for myself. But it's, it's, it's cool. Um, it's crazy right now. You're not allowed to go into the Apple store by yourself here. You actually have to make an appointment. And then you have one of their representatives go with you, walk you around. They give you one of their special face masks. The ones that you brought aren't good enough. Uh, obviously, I, I respect that. Hey, they're allowed to take their precautions. Uh, that's the one thing, too, I guess, not getting back to this whole COVID thing. But, you know, the maskers and the anti-maskers. Um I think one argument a lot of anti-maskers make is that I shouldn't have to wear a mask. And then they'll go into a store and they'll say, you have to let me in without a mask. But the way you need to look at this for everybody, and I, you know, if you think you shouldn't be forced to wear a mask, that's your right, and you should have that right. And if the store says you're not allowed in there without a mask, that's their right. And they're entitled to have that right. Anyway, sorry, didn't want to go back there again, but... So anyways, yeah, that's happening, the old iPad experiment. One thing I've I've heard a lot of people using it for is recording podcasts. It works really well for that. And I'm really interested in it, you know, to see. Uh, when we were in the process of moving out here and building our house, uh, I bought an iPad specifically for that project. I'm like, I want a good iPad. I'm going to keep all the documents, all the drawings, yada, yada. And I started well. You know, I started using it and... um I think I kind of fell away from that because we ended up being delayed due to permitting, doing to the guy that was making the drawings for our house, you know, taking way longer than he thought. And so, you know, I started out gung-ho for a couple of weeks, keeping everything really organized on the iPad. And then we ended up, well, ultimately we ended up waiting like two and a half years before we could move into our house. And so I'm really interested to kind of see how this is going to work out and uh, go from there. Ah. <sighs> Yeah. So anyways, things are busy. I just carved out a little bit of time here uh, for this podcast. And um, realistically, I'll probably only get one video out in December. I'm actually trying really hard. I'd like to be able to organize. And again, this would actually help with with an iPad, Uh, you know, organize uh, for a couple viewers knives videos. Uh, Those things have haven't been doing them. It's probably been all like maybe over a year. Uh, but I'm always getting requests. When are you going to do more viewers' knives? And, you know, the the weird thing about them is that when I do those videos, I, they're always a negative subscriber count. <laughs> I always lose subscribers on the viewers' knives videos. And, then, you know, there's a certain sense where, yeah, I, I get that. You know, if people want to come to see me make a knife and then I'm going to talk about other knives. But then the other thing is that... I think there's some people that actually really like those videos, and I really like them. Uh, They're definitely the most intensive for me to make. You know, I can edit a full knife build video in two hours. I don't think I've ever done a viewer's knife in less than four. 
I don't know what it is. I think it's just because, you know, you've got to get all the information. You've got to, you know, siphon through the emails and then save the pictures to the hard drive and then insert the pictures, which isn't very fast, right? You've got to put them in there. You've got to time them. You've got to do your transitions, your Ken Burns, zoom in, zoom out, all that stuff. And then you have to do the voiceover work, space out those pictures evenly in the time that you talk, depending on the text that the person gave you. It's a lot of work. But I actually really like them. So I'm hoping that I can get a couple of those out in December. Um, And, uh, you know, I think that's one of these things that's like a community-based thing. You know, it's not going to, it's definitely not going to grow my channel. Uh, Like I said, I think every single viewer's knives that I have, when I look, it's like, oh, you lost 30 subscribers (laughs) to this video or whatever. And again, that's fine. You know, ultimately, I'm not trying just to be, I'm not trying to build a massive channel. It's one of these things. It's like, I would rather have a much smaller group of genuine uh, people that want to share what I'm doing and kind of be a part of the community that grows around a YouTube channel that are genuine, right? That are real, honest people rather than like millions of just fans that if you don't toe the line and if you step away from some normal thing, they're they're out, they're done, right? So that's what I'm hoping to get done. And uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes. But I hope you guys are doing really well. Um, hopefully, I'm not sure if there's even anybody here after that rant about, uh, the coronavirus. Um, but you know what? I I think ultimately, no matter what happens, we must never lose sight of the fact that we all have to get through this together, uh, whatever way that is. So respect for each other, respect for each other's viewpoints and opinions is going to be critical to that. It just makes everything better. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I really do feel for those that might be going through a terrible time, those that are, the, the one thing I feel the worst about is that the people that are actually terrified of this thing, and maybe there's value, maybe it's right that they are, Um, you know, the, I think that's a certain advantage to not being afraid is that you feel better, like, like uh, emotionally and, and physically, it's like, I'm not worried about it. You know, but at the same time, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm being respectful and respectable to the people that do have genuine concerns. You know, an interesting situation that I'm in is that, like, I'm the chair of our SSC for our Air Cadet Squadron. And so, you know, I have to, we have to do a meeting and basically reelect all the different uh, executive positions. And, you know, we've decided to do that via Zoom. Uh, I think we we are allowed. We'd kind of planned on doing it in person with certain protocols, and we had all the stuff, you know, all the regulations from the government, how that would look. But I thought, you know what? <sighs> Am I afraid of it? No. I mean, I would go right now and look, lick every doorknob <laughs> in the county. I, I don't care. Like, I'm, I don't know. I always think what doesn't kill you is going to make you stronger. Uh, I don't live my life in fear. Uh I'd rather just die than live in fear. That's the way I look at life for anything. And maybe it's reckless, maybe it's not. Um, But out of respect to those people that are afraid, I thought, you know what? It's not that big of a deal for me just to do a Zoom. Uh, We're going to do it that way. And it's it's also easier too, right? So uh, I, I think it's important that we, you know, have respect for each side. You know, whether you believe that, hey, I have to wear a mask, you have to wear a mask. You know, if they don't really feel they have to wear a mask, then that's fine. You know, uh, I think we need to give each other that grace because one thing, you, you, I don't know, it's it's a big thing and I guess I don't want to go into it anymore, but uh, I am I hope you're doing well. I hope, uh, I don't know, I'm having a great sense of satisfaction and contentedness uh, in my garage and uh, I hope you guys are too. Hopefully you can find yourself in those situations or create those situations where you can get that same feeling because man, when you go out and when I go out into my garage every day and I'm like, oh, I got to build stuff today. I'm stoked. You know, I get to use my hands, my skills, my tools, and I get to create value. I get a, you know, I get to be industrious and uh, it's so, so satisfying. Well, I want to thank you so much. We're coming up at about like 53 minutes here. And I think this might be an entirely unedited episode. And uh, yeah, hopefully I'll again uh, get some scheduled together so that I can keep these episodes coming out. I, I feel bad I missed last week, but it just it wasn't going to work out. So I made sure that it was going to happen this week. And I want to thank you so much for listening. I hope you do appreciate it. 
Uh, I'm looking to try maybe organize a couple more guests to get on the podcast here. Uh, but if you guys have any uh, thing in particular, any subject matter, any questions uh, that you'd like to maybe help direct where we're doing on this podcast, feel free to reach out on Instagram, simplelittlelife.ca. Uh, you know what's annoying is that I actually had Simple Little Life on Instagram. But then something happened with the password, and then I deleted that account, and then I don't know what happened. I changed the name, and then I couldn't get it back because I didn't remember that password. So I'm stuck with simplelittlelife.ca, but that's what my handle is on Instagram. Uh, You can reach out there. Uh, If you'd like a knife featured for viewers' knives, uh, I've got a new... email address for it and it's viewersknives at gmail.com one of the reasons i guess here's a little confession time one of the big reasons why i haven't been doing viewers knives and this is going to be a hard one to break out to the youtube audience uh, but on my old macbook i would organize the viewers knives emails that came in with a red flag you can cut kind of flag every email and something happened with some type of a software update and it completely jumbled all of my flags. And I had, I'm thinking, is over 400 emails that I hadn't featured yet. Uh, the way that I did things that once I would share the, the feature that person in the viewer's knives, I would actually delete their email so that it wasn't there to confuse anything. Um, but some of those ended up coming back. And so I would have to go through and I started doing one viewer's knives once and I was putting in the the information of the person. I'm like, I thought I did this before. And I had to look back through several videos that were on YouTube. I'm like, I did. I featured these exact plays before. And so I was like, what am I going to do? I don't want to, you know, re-feature things that I've shared already. And at the same time, all of my flags were jumbled. You know, I had a yellow flag for a potential customer. Some of those we were in discussions with on a knife. The red ones were for viewers' knives. I had purple ones that were for, like, stuff relating to our house build project. And I had all my email organized, and it just completely jumbled them all together. It was a disaster. And so, you know, I always like to try to feature the the viewers' knives in sequential order, but I couldn't (laughs) because there'd be some that would... It was a disaster. So... Uh, I thought, you know what, I need to get a dedicated email for it. And it was also kind of hard, too, because they were using my main email address that my customers that were, you know, potentially wanting a knife would email me. So I get emails to that same email address, and I don't know if it's for viewers' knives or if it's a potential customer. And it's just, it's not good to have those things um, kind of together. So viewersknives at gmail.com, send them in, send in some verbiage, and uh, we'll line those up for... Uh, new viewers nice videos and uh my apologize my apologies to those of you who are listening that may have already sent your um your pictures in uh to my other email address please uh resend them to viewers knives at gmail.com there's not that many in the queue there i think i only have about 20 or 30 emails there so far so you're not gonna have to wait super long to get featured if you get on it quickly and again when i face the music and i face the youtube audience and tell them what happened i think a lot of people are going to be frustrated uh, and I certainly don't blame them. I know folks, I'll get emails being like, you know, I sent my pictures in a year and a half ago and I haven't seen them yet. And then I'll look at them like, well, yeah, that's because you're like number 150 on the list. So there's going to be a lot of people that were waiting for a long time and now they basically just have to start over. It's terrible. I know it's terrible, but I really don't have any other option. And if I want to just do it, I think this is the cleanest way to go forward. So hopefully that works out. Hopefully it doesn't make too many people frustrated. And uh, it is what it is. Technology is only so good, I suppose. If you enjoy this podcast, you might enjoy some other podcasts on the Makery. There's much better podcasts on the Makery Network than mine. Uh, Really great shows. There's rumors that there's another one coming. I'm going to give a quick rundown from memory. Uh, We've got obviously the Knife Talk podcast, the Grand Pumbaa. Uh, we've got the ones that come out on Tuesday are the Young Maker podcast as well as my podcast. Uh, Kenzie Aarons is, he's actually like two hours from where I live, hour and a half from where I live. And so that's like the Canada representing day on the Makery. Uh, Wednesday, we have the Handmade podcast uh, with uh, Chris, Derek of Malden, and Paul Pinto, uh, Chris Sipieri. And then on Thursday, we have the Work For It podcast with Brian House and a guest usually a guest. And then Friday, we have the Full Blast podcast with Jeff Fader. I'll tell you this, Jeff has got some incredible interview skills. 
I'm actually blown away by some of these interviews he's doing. So uh, really fascinating guests that he has, and he can pull things out of them that is just unbelievable. I need to jump in with a last-minute edit, uh, The Art of Craftsmanship. How could I ever forget The Art of Craftsmanship? Uh, Devin and Dustin O'Hara. And actually, if you go listen to their episode from last week, they actually have one of their friends, Matt, who's an incredible musician, and he actually does live music during the podcast. Just absolute gem of a podcast, Art of Craftsmanship. That one also comes out on Fridays. And that's it. There's no weekend shows coming out as of right now. Hopefully I didn't miss any podcasts. I don't think I did, but check it out. Really, really uh, glad to be part of this group of podcasters. And there's always something fun to listen to. Thank you so much for listening, guys. I hope you have a wonderful day and we'll see you later. Cheers. If you like this show, take a look at our other shows made for makers just like you at www.makery.network. Thank you.